Hi everyone and welcome to episode 101 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Lauren. Hi guys. And we're joined by our good friend Mark Robbins. Hey Mark. Hello, how are you? I am sick. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had a bit of food poisoning but Lauren's okay I think. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah. yeah. Thankfully, I didn't eat the melon or whatever it is. I didn't even know had. what it was. It was no. some weird fruit thing that just didn't agree with my stomach, and, no. and that's as much, much as I'm going to say about it. Yep. Well, let that be a lesson that fruit is bad for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm now leaning towards that conclusion. I know. All good things, vegetables, everything, just drop it off. That five a day thing. Screw I know. That. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Lauren's going to be kind of taking over the uh, the hosting duty, but before mm-hmm. I kind of pass over, I'm just going to talk about how Mark and I met. We've known each other for quite some time now. It's, it's coming on to what, five and a half years probably about now. We actually met a long time ago at Gamescom 2009 when I was seeing Fallout New Vegas. That's a long time ago and a very old game by today's standards. Mm. When it was still in Leipzig as well. Yes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so um, yeah, Mark... Do you want to tell us about your Final Fantasy story? How did you get started? What was your first game? The first Final Fantasy game I played? Yes. It was, believe it or not, Mystic Quest. Mystic Quest? Oh my Quest. god, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, Mystic Quest. Which, How did uh, you stick with the franchise? <laughs> I, well, I, I remember picking it up at um, like a, an ECTS, you know, when it's still a public show. And I was, I was a young man, and a very young man. And uh, I think I, I had a brand new converter, US converter for my snares. And I, I'd actually picked up, I think, Secret of Mana and, mm. and really the PAL version of that, which I think I'd only made about 10 copies. I really, really enjoyed that. And I was keen to get more, play more Square games. And, uh, and I went to the show and they had, they had Final Fantasy 3 or 6, as, as it probably is. And I looked at it and it was, it was quite a lot of money. And uh, I said, well, I've never played a Final Fantasy game before. And the guy behind the counter said, well, you should probably start on this one then. It's much easier. So I bought it at Mystic Quest, that is. And I, and I played it through and, and went, yeah, it's all right. It's okay. And then I got Final Fantasy 3 and then, then I was away. That's it. So 6, I think, technically still my favorite. So Mystic Quest was kind of like the, the thing that kind of bedded you in. Yes, it, it gently eased me into the, uh, the, the JRPG with its turn-based combat and wonderful music. At least you know it could only get better from there. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for later. Yeah. So have you been uh, keeping up with the franchise recently? Are you excited for Final Fantasy 15? I am really excited for 15. It, it looks it looks really, really good. The, the last one that I properly played was... Well, the last kind of mainline entry I probably played was 13, but I'm still at the moment going through Tactics Advance 2 because it is the biggest game I've ever played. <laughs> my game clock's up to about 140 hours. Oh my gosh. Yeah, but I play things really slowly. I'm just like the slowest gamer in the world. No, That's just okay. from Mark walking around in circles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I've got really, really powerful characters, but they're just going nowhere. Aww. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, but at least you're getting like everything done in it then. one I played. Um, and I, there were bits of it I really liked and there were bits of it I didn't like quite so much. But um, I, I'm excited about 15. I think it's I think it's good to be excited about Final Fantasy again. And everything I've seen of it looks like it's going to be a, a really interesting game. So yeah, and you know, I, I know you put up Cat Cam, but I'm more after Dog Cam. That, that looks pretty cool. <laughs> Those are weird. Like the cat cam was just strange. The fact that they took the time to animate all of the different things—that's just odd. 
It's just their new partnership, isn't it? Yeah, this one have bird cam and then... And a fish cam. All right, well, um, as I'm taking over as host for this episode, uh, for you new folks, uh, Final Fantasy Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We run on a four-week rotation with a new show every other Tuesday with Kingdom Hearts Union, and we come out on iTunes Store, FinalFantasyUnion.com, and YouTube.com slash FFUnionVids. We have a three-segment show for you guys today. So first off, we're going to talk about Classic FM, which Mark is heavily a part of. Woo-hoo! And um, then we're going to move on to some news that we have a since last episode. Yeah, um, some of it's a bit sad, and but we'll get to that. Um, and then our last section will be about Final Fantasy Twelve HD, which seems to be a very hot topic among fans lately. We've been getting so many people on Facebook saying, sign this position for Final Fantasy Twelve HD. We're, we want Final Fantasy Twelve HD, so we're going to talk about it. <laughs> Um, by way of announcements, uh, we just wanted to let you guys know, um, and by the time you hear this podcast, the interview would have already happened, but uh, we're actually interviewing Orion Akaba, who plays uh, Nine in Final Fantasy Type-0 HD. Thank you to everybody who answered, or sorry, asked questions. Um, we should be able to post this up soon, and uh the next bit of announcement that we have is uh we have a new writer on the site his name is Hugathi and uh he has a lovely uh write up about Final Fantasy Explorers and why um, you should get it yeah five reasons why we should have this game in the west basically and it's kind of a shame that we don't have it at the moment but uh you can go to the site finalfantasyunion.com and you can read about that so, uh, next on the list is our Patreon changes. Um, following on from the feedback that we had last year regarding our Patreon, we've made some changes to help it become more appealing to you guys. So, moving forward, we have the following perks available. These were also announced on the Kingdom Hearts Union podcast, so if you listen to both of them, uh, you can skip this bit, but <laughs> yeah. essentially we're going to say the same stuff over again. But uh, And a lot of people have already taken advantage of these new perks, so thanks a lot to everyone who's oh, kind yes. of, Thank uh, you so uh, much. Is pledging towards the podcast. It means a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, for $1, you will receive access to our Patreon, as well as an exclusive podcast called Please Be Excited, which we've actually already done one episode of. Um, and that's already released, hasn't it? It has. Yeah, so it's already up um, the first episode. And I think if even if you um, if you donate a dollar like now, you you should still be able to. I think you get it. access to all the old stuff. Yeah. So um, if you if you donate a dollar, you'll immediately have access to episode one, and then. Um, so on and so forth. For the next tier down, we have $3. And um, for $3, you will receive two shout-outs on the podcast. So we'll announce your name this time, and then we'll announce your name next show as well. It will be on the Kingdom Hearts Union, so you get once on each show. Ah, uh, that's it then. For $5, you'll receive the podcast a day early. So um, you'll receive it on Monday instead yeah, so of I'm Tuesday. Yeah, so I'm going to slave away to make sure you get this podcast a day earlier than everyone or else. Yes. And then uh, finally, for $10, you will receive the ability to um, basically bring a topic 
to our podcast. So um, you request a topic that you want us to talk about during the show, and we will talk about it and feature your name. Yeah, so on the next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union, we're actually going to be talking about a topic that was suggested by William Helmrich, which is about Kingdom Hearts Key. Mm. And um, on the next Final Fantasy Union, we've just had a suggestion to talk about Final Fantasy XIV and Heaven's Ward from Clay Kilo. Yes. So, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it for the tiers um, on Patreon. So if you are interested in that, please, please, please check it out. And you can check out more information on patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. And now we have some of the shout-outs um, of people who have already paid for this tier. And um, sorry in advance if we butcher your names. First up, we have Devin Witt, McGreg ML, uh, William Trengrove, Scott, um, who has no last name. He's just Scott, like Scott Pilgrim. He's a bit like Pele. <laughs> <laughs> Manning Franks. Christopher Axelson, who I think on Kingdom Hearts Union they mentioned about how cool his name is, and I I have to second that. Got his it name memorized. is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Angel Martinez, William Helmrich, Benny Chen, and Clay Killer, and that is it for this yes, episode. Yes, you have been shouted out by Lauren. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not Daryl, me. Yes. Okay, so uh, moving on, we are at our classic fm chat section let's chat away about classic fm so mark um if you want to basically give a basic overview of this campaign this hall of fame campaign that you are currently running well it all started uh, a couple of years ago when distant worlds first came to the royal abbott hall um, i don't know if you guys were at that concert i don't think we were i think we went two years ago the first so one. The second one, but this, this is the first one. So this was back in 2011, I think. Mm. So yeah, like sort of be four years ago this 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 year, and uh, it was the first uh, big video games concert I've been to. I, there'd been uh, a couple of video games live and the Zelda 25th anniversary concert, which I never went to, but wish I had. But for me, you know, being a Final Fantasy fan and a, and a fan of the music is very, very exciting. And I went there and I was literally blown away. It's a complete sellout of Royal Albert Hall. That's, you know, 4,000 people. 4,000 crazy people. 4,000 crazy <laughs> people. But I, I really, really enjoyed it. And it was spectacular. And it was a standing ovation. And, and I thought, I don't think this music really gets the recognition that it deserves or, or mm. the plaudits or praise it deserves. And... Classic FM is uh, a British radio station. It's the biggest commercial radio station in the UK. It's also the, the, the biggest classical music radio station in the world, I believe, in terms of its listener base. And every year for the last 20 years, so it's the 20th year they've, they've done this, they hold a, a global popularity poll to find the world's favorite piece of classical music. And they have a rundown of the top 300, which they play over the Easter holiday. And there's been film music in it for a while, so the sort of film tracks have started to creep in, so like the music from Star Wars and The Lord of the Rings and, and Gladiator. And I thought, well, video game music is, is easily as good. And I think if people knew about this poll, then I'm sure they would, you know, feel the same way as me and, and think that the music deserves its, its place there. So I kind of started with a Facebook post saying, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we all voted for the music from Final Fantasy? And the, the track I kind of 
rallied people around was Aerith theme, which might not be everyone's favourite track, but I, I think it's the one... It's very popular. Universe yeah. is probably the most popular. It's the one that pretty much everybody like will shout out at uh, Distant Worlds. Yeah, I mean, the other one from Seven would probably be One Winged Angel that would yeah. get them whooping and hollering, but... Yeah. yeah, but Eris theme is definitely, definitely. It's safe. It has yeah. all. The, it has all the feels, doesn't it? Let's let's face it. Um, yeah. So I started with a, with a Facebook post there, and I kind of encouraged people to vote, and it it got in. It managed to make the chart, but it managed to make the chart. I think at number seventeen. So it wasn't just a success; it was a an incredible success. Yeah, especially out of like how many hundred as well. Yeah, I mean they, 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 they there's you know hundreds of thousands of votes are cast worldwide on this poll so it was an amazing success and and sort of since then we've seen more and more tracks enter the hall of fame each year i mean last year there are now eight tracks in there so there is the music from final fantasy there's the music from kingdom hearts there's the mm. music from world of warcraft and journey and the elder scrolls and then and grant kirkhope the the ex-rare composer has uh, a bunch of tracks in there as well including viva pinata and banjo kazooie so there's there's loads more music in there now and and the the station has really embraced the genre and they're, they're really interested by it because it's it's a really exciting new genre of music to them. Yeah. And you, you're, you're getting a whole bunch of, of much younger people, much larger demographic who are going to these concerts. And as I always said, if, if you really love any kind of music, whether it's you know jazz or you know rock or, or classical, just go and see the music live because it's the best way to experience it. Yeah, definitely. I remember when we um when we actually went to this past distant worlds, we had a bit of a funny experience um on the way there. We took a taxi and the taxi cab driver was just like, "Where are you guys going?" Um like, "What's at the what's at the Royal Albert Hall?" And um we were just like, "It's a video game concert." And he's just like, "A video game concert." And we were just like, "Yeah." And he's just like, "Is that is that why all those people are dressed up?" And then we were just like, "Yeah." She's just amazed at the fact that they would have a concert at the Royal Albert Hall for for video game music because it's just the general public consider it to just be this really small bedroom hobby. Exactly, yeah. and it, it and it's not. I mean, that concert sold out like the previous one in about two hours. So there, there you know, there are more concerts than before. That the radio station is playing, you know, um, video game specials now on a fairly regular basis, and these aren't tucked away in some tiny corner of the middle of the night. These are like two hour shows on Saturday early evenings in prime time slots. Um, yeah. And the, the social media interaction with the channel during these shows is 10, 20-fold more than they would usually get at the station. I mean, it's, it's huge for them as a station, isn't it? Because obviously they're opening up to a, a much wider audience. Yeah. That's absolutely massive. And I think that the, the largest growth audience for these stations tend to be students, actually, because it's, it's great music to study to. Yeah, definitely. It's really good at focusing your mind, you know, without necessarily distracting it too much. So it, you know, it's it's a really interesting, exciting genre of music. Um, the the music of Final Fantasy is just, you know, Nobumatsu. He is the Beethoven of games composers. It, it's just genius music, and and I think it's it's starting to get the kind of recognition it deserves. So what I'm saying is, and I have done in, in previous years, is if you are a fan of the music and you would also like to see this music get recognition in wider circles, then then you should go to the website and you should vote for your, your favourite tracks because mm. it, it's really making a difference in terms of how not just video game music, but, but video games in general are being perceived by the wider public. You know, these are 
hugely creative people making, in, in a way, works of art that completely yeah. transcends all the, the negative press that video games sometimes get. Uh, I think also, I mean, because I've been... I've been quite involved in this campaign as well and just just seeing the different ways that it's kind of touched people because there has been significant resistance from let's say the the classical community in some circles where you know there's the arguments I mean if you even if you go on the the 2014 hall of fame there's the arguments about this isn't classical music and Mm. I'm sure there were the same arguments about film music when it's included but there's also the other side where I remember, I think it was maybe a month or two ago. They had a they had a, they featured Assassin's Creed on one of their on their one of their radio shows, and there had a lot of their regular audience um, kind of coming on, and and some people said their parents were listening to it and saying, "What what is this Assassin's Creed? <laughs> like where this music's actually really good. Like where yeah. where is this from?" For all the people hearing this music, if you don't tell them it's from a video game, then they take it for what it is, just a great piece of music. Exactly. The moment you say it's from a video game, the, the shutters quite often come down, and they're they're not really prepared to to accept how great it is. So I, I think it's really important that that the music is played and it is talked about, um, uh, because it it does really show off video games in a really really positive light, and I think that that can only be a, a really good thing. Definitely. Yeah, I agree, and I think it's great for the composers as well because they. They get a lot more recognition. I think in the Assassin's Creed example, they were actually referencing, I don't remember her name, which is obviously not great for this example, but <laughs> it was, you know, you know you've got the classic um, video game composers like Jesper Kidd's very synonymous with uh, Assassin's Creed. And I think mm. Lorne Balth's now kind of taken over. But the, the track they picked was from Assassin's Creed Rogue, which was composed by um, the in-house composer at Ubisoft, Sophia, mm. which... She'd never really be given any public exposure in a normal sense. Was this the was this the, the Sarah Shackner piece? Maybe from uh, the one that sounded very. It might have been from Unity. The one that sounded very like chamber music. Yeah, potentially. I know there was. It wasn't. She she was very much like the kind of backing composer, but I think she might have done. I don't know. I don't think she was the main composer on the game. No, I, uh, uh, Chris Tilton was the main composer. But you're right. This is this is one of the sort of internal composers who was. I think almost creating mood music for for the game, but it was you know really impressive stuff and really well researched stuff. And, you know, that people aren't video game composers aren't just knocking out tracks left, right, and centre with no thought or care. I mean, it's a, it's a they are artists creating you know pieces of art in a way. So yeah, I, I guess it's just that um, trying to get rid of that stigma that um, video game music still sounds like like it did in the 8-bit era well even that like video game music or video games in general aren't art and can't be artistic i mean i know that roger ebert quote still sort of plays in there that video games can't be art they definitely can and it's also like apparent in um that recent um, documentary that Red Bull came out with where it just talks about, like, the composers for the games and how much they influence, like, hip-hop music as well. Like, so it's not only, like, classical music that they are reaching out to. It's it's hip-hop and, and, and they're using the 16-bit music and that sort of stuff. And This is the, the Digging in the Carts documentary. That yeah, yeah. yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're listening and you haven't watched it, you should go and watch it. 
Yeah, they have a whole thing on Nobuo Uematsu in the um, well, one it episode. Was, it was supposed well. to be a, a, an episode on JRPG composers, yeah. which has basically turned out to being Nobuo, Nobuo Uematsu. Yeah, but it's, I, I think it's the best documentary I've seen on the subject. Oh, yeah, agreed, same. yeah. And it, because it's all shot in Japan, and the, the cinematography of it is just amazing. I mean, it's... Mm. And it's really interesting as well. Some of the stories that they're telling, especially Yoko Shimomura. Yeah, <laughs> being locked in a room... On deadline day, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, great stories. Just and it, yeah, it is a really interesting documentary, and it, it it just goes to show that you know there there are, these are a bunch of um, you know not very well known uh, composers in the Japanese games industry, and the the melodies they've they've written and, and composed just are known throughout the world now. You know, they've yeah. completely transcended what was originally you know an eight eight-bit tune to you know touring concerts that go that play in the biggest venues around the world hundreds of thousands of cds and albums being sold uh, it's just you know it has to be mind-boggling for them like yeah. if you're in a, if you're a pop artist you kind of have these visions of grandeur but if you're a video game composer from in the 1980s mm-hmm. there is no way you've thought that or maybe in your mind you thought, oh, I wish it, I really wish it could sound like this, but technology is prohibiting it. There's no way that Uematsu ever thought that anything, that his life would gone this way. No. Yeah, I mean, just to, uh, to do a slight plug, there is a, an album coming out on the 23rd called Final Symphony, which is an album of Final Fantasy arrangements, again, um, based on the Final Symphony concert tour. But it was recorded at Abbey Road Studios, um, with the London Symphony Orchestra and Uematsu was there and for him it completely blew his mind because that was a studio where all his musical heroes performed and recorded their albums when he was growing up so it's come That's completely so cool. full circle for him because you know the, the music he listened to in, the, in the, the, the 60s and the 70s all came from Abbey Road Studios iconic studio mm-hmm. and then there he is 40 years later uh, he's actually there with his music being recorded by the best orchestra in the world. So it's just incredible stories. Yeah, that must have been such a just surreal experience for them. I can't even imagine how he must have felt. But then like the other day, I was sort of, I was looking at, um, I, I was just looking at Nobu Imatsu's Wikipedia page, I think, or something of that sort. And just realizing that he's been working on video game music since before I was born, which is just a scary thought. He's been at it it's a long like time. It's like 20, over 25 years now, like, that he's been working on music and uh, for video games specifically. And it's just like, you know, you just think, like, it's about damn time that he gets the recognition for it. This and all video well. game composers he, in general. He still has so much passion too, because although he's moved away from Square Enix, he's still doing games yeah. like regularly, even if they're just indie games. He's obviously he's got his affiliations with Mistwalker too, but he's still pumping out the tunes. I know. Yeah, he's. Um, I mean, didn't he want to be a, like a film composer originally, and he, he couldn't get into it, so he did video games instead. I, yeah. I bet he never would have been as successful uh, had he gone into films. Probably not. And, like, you think about, like, how many um, tracks people compose for films. So it's like, you know, you think about how many tracks are in a a, a CD for, like, uh, Batman or something. But then you think about how many tracks 
Nobu Imatsu composed for each Final Fantasy, all of those themes that he had to create. And granted, some of them are very similar to the game's main theme, but like a great deal of them were all completely separate tracks that were that just had to be fitting for the game and for the story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an incredible amount of output, and and, and again, that that goes back to my initial point of why I was, I'm doing this is that I just felt that it would be really nice to see some mainstream recognition for that kind of dedication and, and level of artistry. So. That's why I would say to to anybody listening, here's my little plug. If if you think likewise the same way, you should you should definitely head to the voting site, which is um, halloffame.classicfm.com, and you can vote for your three favorite pieces of music. And even if you you don't believe video game music should be in there, just go there and vote vote for music anyway. Because the more votes it gets, then the the better picture it is of you know what's what's popular. Um, but there's loads of video game music already in, in the voting database. Um, the way it works is that all the Final Fantasy, it's, it's a little bit of a shame, but all the Final Fantasy music gets lumped into one entry. So in the same way that all the Star Wars scores by John Williams are one entry in Hall of Fame. So all you need to do is look up for Nobuo Matsu or Final Fantasy and it will appear in the voting database. And you can click on it and you get to choose your, your top three. So Kingdom Hearts might be another option. Shenmue. <laughs> A lot of people are voting for that. That's in the voting database. Um, I, I, unbelievably, Koji Kondo's Legend of Zelda's not in there, and I think that would be a good one to go in. But there's, you know, loads and loads of options. Um, and if there's something there that you, you want to vote for and it's not in the voting database, then you can actually add it manually. But, um, yeah, the voting finishes on February 28th, so you don't have a huge amount of time. So I'd encourage you to, to, to go there. It only takes two minutes. Vote your favourites and, um, it's a, it's a great way of um, showing recognition to um, the composers of the music that we all love. Isn't there also a cash prize, potentially? In the UK, so if you're based in the UK, there are, I think, um, five prizes of £1,000 that are randomly given. I think they're to encourage you to vote. So there's there's, a, there's a, a lottery. We don't need encouragement. You don't need encouragement. If you're not based in the UK, um, then due to UK competition rules, he says within the <laughs> comma fingers, uh, you, you won't be entered into the draw, but your votes will still count. It is a global poll, and it's, uh, it's, it gives a much more interesting view of, of, of music taste if people all around the, the world vote. And in, in previous years, people from all across Europe and North America and South America and Asia have all helped vote for um, video games in, in the chart, so... Do get involved wherever you're listening. Absolutely, yeah. Definitely. I've already voted. Yep. All right. What did you vote for? Do you mind if I ask what you voted for? (laughs) I actually freaked out because I wasn't expecting the three options. So, like, for some reason, I was like a deer in headlights. I just was like, okay, I have to vote for Final Fantasy. I have to vote for Final Fantasy. And I was just, like, dead set on that. So I voted for Final Fantasy. And I was just like, there's two more options. Uh, What do I think of? So I actually ended up (laughs) quite... um, yeah, this is probably going to get... I'm probably going to get a slap on the wrist for this, but um, I voted for uh, Liebes Toad from Tristan and Ilzoltz because that is, like, one of my favorite tracks ever um, that uh, Wagner uh, wrote. And um, I also did, I think, Claire de Luna. I think I did that one as well. Yeah, I think those were the three. But I definitely did Final Fantasy. I I was set on Final Fantasy and then I freaked, so I voted for two other things. Sorry. Which is what you're supposed to do. 
I guess so, but I should have voted for like Kingdom Hearts. I just didn't think of it because I was a dumbass. But you still picked some 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 really great music, and I mean that, that's the other thing that I think is really interesting is that you 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 know orchestras are it's really expensive to run an orchestra. There's a lot of people in there, and as as sort of standard traditional concerts start to wane in actually there there are they are actually becoming more popular. But I think part of that is because the, the skewer people who go to the, the video game concerts are much younger, but I think they're getting a taste for being at that kind of concert, and it's making them learn about other types of music. I mean, this music, and the, a lot of this music's been around for two, three hundred years, and it's you know it is great, great music. So there's lots of interesting crossover there, and I, I think that if you voted for two traditional classical pieces, then I I, I don't think that's wrong at all. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I would like to thank my uh, music teacher for um, uh, giving me the opportunity to learn about other classical music tracks then. There you are. <laughs> I, I voted for Final Fantasy Shenmue and then my old pal Hans Zimmer with uh, The Last Samurai. I know. That that music does get you every time. That's, I think it's his best soundtrack. Really, it's Daryl's Achilles heel. So I'm okay with Gladiator, but I didn't think there were two... Like, Within the soundtrack as a whole, I don't think there were as many good tracks mm. as the last Samurai, last Samurai. I think my favorite one from um, Gladiator is probably that. It's the main I theme. don't know, <laughs> no, because I really, I'm I'm so weird with the tracks that I like. The the just random tracks sort of like stick out in my mind. I love the one that plays right before. Um, oh, I forget his name in the movie. Um, Joaquin Phoenix's character's name. It's him and Maximus, and they're just about to go out for their final fight, and it's just this like repetitive um, sort of violin going on. And oh, I just I love that track. But um, there's other tracks in Gladiator that are good too. But That's Last Samurai is, is sad. Yes, very much so. But then there are there are members of his. Um... Because he, he composes music a bit like, apparently a bit like um, Michelangelo used to paint. Yeah, he's got a stable of little composers. I say little, that's a real, that's terribly condescending. I don't mean that at all. He's got a stable <laughs> of incredibly talented junior composers. Yes. I, I, I have opinions about Apprentices. that. Because I, cause I know that Klaus Vidal is part of his group. Yeah. And I, I got a bit annoyed with the parts of the Caribbean because... Everyone gives Hans Zimmer credit for parts of the Caribbean, mm. but Klaus Badelt did the original soundtrack. Not in the Classic FM Hall of Fame. It's Klaus who gets the credit. Good. That's good then. But yeah, no, that isn't fair. Yeah, that but isn't I, think, fair. I think Lorne Balfe was, was one of the... Yeah, yeah he, he was as well. Obviously, Lorne, um, a lot of people I've seen pushing for Lorne's uh, soundtrack to Assassin's Creed 3, which is definitely mm. the best part of that game. <laughs> <laughs> I still like Jesper Kidd's stuff. Oh, I do love Jesper Kidd. Have you ever heard his stuff from um, The Adventures of Batman and Robin? It was an old SNES game, Stroke Mega Drive game, and we played it as part of a video series we used to do. Oh, it was and, so and it, good. It's fresh in our mind because in the Batman Hans Zimmer soundtracks, there are parts of it which we feel pay tribute to his version. Yeah, like, you know, you know the whole... Um, like like all that whole like like sort of really fast paced staccato yeah really fast paced staccato that actually is part of the main theme of um the adventures of batman and robin on snes and mega drive on snes and mega drive and it sounds a lot like it and i was just like this is so coincidence i i reckon you're 
you're going to start hearing soundtracks to TV shows and movies soon, and you're going to listen to that, and you're thinking, oh, they've ripped that off from that game. Yeah. You're going to start thinking that soon. Oh, definitely. Without Without a doubt. Anyways, all right, well, moving along, um, we have our news segment, and actually, I don't know why I'm getting really excited, because this is really, like, devastating news. It's, it's one of the. It's the first time we've had to give sad news, isn't it? Yeah, probably. probably. Um, so we had a like terrible loss in the video game community. Um, we lost Monty Um, and um, if you don't know who Monty Um is, um, he was a big contributor for uh, Rooster Teeth. Um, he did a show for them called RWBY. And um, he also was heavily a part of their, like, podcasts and heavily a part of their community and um, was a big character in that. But what, why he relates to Final Fantasy is that well, one also of the, why he became part of Rooster and Teeth. And why he became part of Rooster Teeth was that he um, used to do these videos. Um, I think one of his first one was actually... That was, was the it, it was, was the Metroid Master Chief. Master Chief Samus. Yeah, Master Chief versus Samus, which is so awesome. And... Um, from that he's just gotten better and better and uh he did this series called dead fantasy which is essentially combining um the girls from dead or alive and some of the boys from dead or alive with the girls from final fantasy and the boys and some of the boys from (laughs) and kingdom hearts and kingdom hearts and um they just have uh, just his whole way of bringing together these two series and doing the choreography like the fighting choreography in those in those videos was just so cool like i mean i just i'd never felt so excited about like it's like if advent children was on steroids yeah it was and i just love the way that he used um the actual like moves from the game like actual moves that these characters would use in the game he really paid attention to the details and put them in this environment where it was just it was really cool and it inspired me a great deal and i still remember watching for the first time back oh god this is going to take you back back when (laughs) game trailers had just launched to become game trailers and they were starting to become big in the industry they posted up his dead fantasy video i think it was actually a user movie he posted up yeah and it became super popular because it was no one ever seen anything like it before no but there's like six or seven of them eventually. yeah um i think i think they got up to seven i want to say because the first one is um the first one's like yuna and riku isn't it and then it um well i i don't want to give too much away if you haven't watched Go and watch it. them they're all on youtube go and right? watch them yeah all of them are on youtube they're incredible my favorite one is three because it's tifa and um uh, Hitomi. Hitomi. I I don't really play the dead the dead or alive series, but like that fight between Hitomi and Tifa with the Devil May Cry credits music is just so so cool. Um, but yeah, it's I just hearing that news. Well, I had heard that he was hospitalized that same day, and I was just like that. You know, it just it just really sort of hit me like. 
oh my god like this i think he hit a lot of people i mean the, like the donations that he's they've been given to his family have been off the charts yeah yeah um they it started off with like a gofundme account um that they opened to help pay for his medical bills um and in that post um they talk about um well they talk about him and they also talk about how you know at the time they weren't sure he was going to recover and it was just um it was all up in the air and then finally the news hit after um that he had passed so um our thoughts um go out to his family friends um and the rooster teeth community especially um you know he was a big loss um but his memory uh, he will, will live be on. Missed. He will be missed. Um, so moving along from that, um, we had a lot of trailers uh, recently released. Um, they seem to be it's really a, pumping we got out the type. Bombarded with trailers oh my for God. Type Zero. The Type Zero HD trailers. I swear, like every five minutes, I was just like, "Oh, there's another trailer. There's another trailer." Um, Anyone would think it's coming out soon. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but they did say that they had the final trailer, quote unquote, final trailer for Type Zero HD. And um, unfortunately, the trailer, if you are hoping to not be spoiled, I mean, granted, it's all in Japanese anyway. So like you might not really get that much out of it anyway, but it's quite spoilerific. But what's worth it. But you is... won't know the spoilers because yeah. you haven't played the game. Yeah, and that's true, too. Um, but what makes this final trailer worth it is the huge preview at the end for, uh, extended preview for Final Fantasy XV Episode Duske. It, what makes it so awesome, and this is getting back to music, is that they use the traditional Final Fantasy theme. It's the theme that they close out pretty much every Distant Worlds concert that I've ever been to. And it's set with the clips from Final Fantasy XV. And it just... The nostalgia feels just hit you like a ton of bricks. And I was fangirling so hard. I just could not bear it. But given the world that we live in today, a lot of people were confused by this choice of music. Tell me, why were they confused? Well, I think Yoko Shimomura had to go online and explain that she hadn't composed that piece oh. of music. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because obviously that is the Final Fantasy main theme, which was composed by Uematsu-san, mm. not Yoko Shimomura. And she was having to, um, I guess, because a lot of people were saying, oh, this is some fantastic new music. Congratulations, Yoko. And she's like, yeah, but I didn't write it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you think about it, they probably haven't really used it in a while because uh, did they use it, it in, in Final Fantasy 13 did they use it in 13 i don't, I don't think know. they did I, th- I know it was in 12 in, yeah, in 12 it was the um it was the opening screen music yeah it was the attract music wasn't it yeah it was like the yeah but i think yeah i think now because we because we're in an age now where a lot of people have 13 as their first game they don't really know that that is the sort of traditional theme for Final Fantasy. Can I just stop you there for a minute? I'm just trying to imagine a world where Final Fantasy 13 is everyone's very first Final Fantasy. <laughs> it's scary, isn't it? I think they're, yeah, I think it's I think it's becoming more and more popular now. You've also got to think that Final Fantasy 13 was uh, five years ago? Yeah. Like the little kitties. Six the little kitties years, now. maybe? Ugh. 
that's that's scary. I mean, I'm not saying that it's everybody's everybody now's first game, but like for a lot of kids now, that is their that's their introduction to Final Fantasy. There's a lot of people who played that as their first game when they were teenagers, and they no longer are. I know. Take a minute, you know, breathe. We'll yeah, so this. Type Zero is coming out very, very, very soon. We do have <laughs> another episode before that happens. I think so. Um, yeah. It's going to be around that time. Um, but yeah, yeah, trailer spam and. I wouldn't say that the best part of the trailer was the episode 5 disc game (laughs) (laughs) because a lot of people are excited for Type 0 HD Um, but yeah it was was nice to see that there there was a bit of a traditional stint on episode 5 or episode disc game episode disc game Final Fantasy 15 Daryl's I'm just seeing I'm just seeing the the 5 Roman numeral in front of my face (laughs) and I'm just Daryl's sick he's getting delusional he's getting his games all mixed up it's okay right we should move on okay wait no I'm taking this bit oh dear what's gonna happen now this is gonna be horrible this is all going wrong right so I'm gonna try my best here guys because we all know that Final Fantasy 12 is a controversial topic on this podcast and I've been seeing lots and lots of topics and debates about how Square Enix should make a Final Fantasy XII HD remake. Mm. Mainly fueled by the fact they made Ten and Ten Two. If mm. that didn't exist, they probably wouldn't be as vocal. I'm guessing the argument is since that does exist, why doesn't it? Uh, there's a few arguments against that. I don't know if now is the right the place to have those. Maybe next episode I can go on a soapbox and talk about those. <laughs> Without the Final Fantasy XII fan. But... <laughs> I have been seeing a lot of people saying they would be interested in a 12 HD. Well, let me touch this in context. A lot of people now have been saying that 12 is one of their favorite games, Mm. but they've been saying it in context of Zodiac job system. So they're saying that 12 is my favorite. Well, the Zodiac job system version of 12 is my favorite, not 12. So then that made me thinking, well, if there was an HD remake and it didn't include the Zodiac job system, since we haven't had that in the West, would people still get it? Would that be like a deciding factor? I know that it probably wasn't a big deal for ten because Europeans got the f- international version, but North Americans didn't. Mm. Was the fact that the Dark Aeons and Penance inc- were included did that sway people to buy it more? Maybe, maybe not. But I ten, mean, ten's a more did. popular game, definitely. Because yeah, I mean, like not not having access to the Dark Aeons. I remember when I was uh, originally playing it, and I was like looking at some walkthroughs. And um, I came across a walkthrough that was just like, you can find the Dark Aeon here. And I'm like, I'm in the Thunder Plains. Where is this guy? Like, what are they talking about? And I just, yeah, I got really confused. Um, so, yeah, the jo- I don't want to talk too much about the Zodiac job system because if you know what it is, you probably know what it is. But it did it did change quite a few things about the game. There are like, a load of different bosses. You can fight all the judges in what is sometimes known as the hardest boss fight in Final Fantasy Yeah, history. they're like not fair at all. There's a few different modes. I think some changes to the license boards. Um, it basically fixed a lot of the problems that people had, excluding the story. To answer that question... Um... Obviously, I, I've never played the Zodiac job system one, but I, I know about it. And my assumption would be is if they did make a Final Fantasy XII HD, which they should, if you're listening, they should definitely, Square Enix should definitely do that because I would definitely buy it. <laughs> my assumption is they would they would make that version. I would have thought so. It wouldn't make sense considering how they're treating Kingdom Hearts as well. There's no use in going backwards. No, there is no use going backwards, but the soapbox is going away. <laughs> But okay. yeah, I mean, like it has like a lot, um, some other things as well. I mean, it's not just like gameplay. Like, um, well, this still goes to gameplay. What am I talking about? Uh, but they have like new game plus and then new game minus, 
which also kind of scares me because I know that if they do come out with it, that's going to be a trophy to yeah. get through the entire game in New Game Minus without any XP. Like, that's going to be really Yay. difficult. <laughs> but I did ask... I did ask quite a few people um, whether or not the Zodiac job system inclusion would sway their decision to buy the game. And it was it was surprising that a few people did say yes, that if it wasn't the Zodiac job system, they wouldn't purchase the HD remake. So we had a few comments here. One was The first one was from My- Final Max Storm, who's a previous guest on the podcast. He said he would definitely get it because 12 has his favorite ba- battle system in general. Um, and he does want the Zodiac system changed as well, but he would want the option to choose between which license board to use. So he wouldn't want to be forced to use the Zodiac license board. Mm. This next one is from Isabel Rocks, who you may know from Kingdom Hearts Union. She does a lot of the stories that we have on there, a lot of the features. Love you, Isabel. Um, and Isabel says um, she would buy any game that lets her see Balthier's beauty in HD. <laughs> But Classic. what about Fran's beauty? Um, you have to see that too. No, <laughs> kidding. But yeah. This is an interesting one. I don't know how you feel about this, Mark, but uh, Jason Felix says that he would definitely get it on Vita, but he would only consider getting a console version if it was the Zodiac Jod system. When I get it, when they make it, when I, my choice of format would be Vita as well. Um, I think it'd be yeah. a perfect fit for Vita. Did you play Final Fantasy Ten HD on Vita? Well, no, because I'm not a huge fan of ten. <laughs> See what you've started now, Lauren. I know. I'm sorry. I would. This is. I've always wanted them to do twelve rather than ten as a, as a remake. But if I was to sit down and replay it, I would play it on Vita. Mm, I think it because I mean I, I, was I really just saying, love because I actually did play Final Fantasy Ten HD on on Vita, and it, I actually do prefer it quite a lot. And I'm I'm really devastated that Type Zero HD is not coming out on the Vita. Because, like, it it does make a huge difference. Yeah. Did you, have you, I assume you've already spoken about the logic and reasoning behind that. Because as far as I can see, there is no logical reasoning. It's a marketing ploy, but nothing else. I know. It's just such a shame. All right. Well, this next one is from Final Fantasy Zach, who, um, if you've been, like, sort of following our Twitter, um, we've featured him a bit. Um, he's currently doing a year-long Final Fantasy quest where he's playing all fifth. well... Not all, like, just 15 uh, games, 15 Final Fantasy games. You're doing games. the same thing. I am, but I'm not doing 15 games. I'm not that crazy. I'm doing 12. <laughs> I'm not that insane. But either way, um, he says he would definitely get it regardless of the Zodiac job system because it's severely underrated. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other side of the coin, we had Jason Rose, also from Twitter, who says, no, I wouldn't get it. Zodiac Jod system made the upgrade system actually bearable to the point where it's practically a new game and there's no way I'd go back to playing the vanilla version of 12 again. <laughs> I guess, I mean, if you have played the Zodiac job system, that is an interesting point because if they if they didn't put it in the HD remake, you'd then have to go back to playing a version you didn't necessarily like as much. Yeah. And you wouldn't feel like you've completed the game to its fullest extent because you wouldn't be able to... F- fight the like ultimate version of the judges yeah i mean obviously as mark said that the chances are they would put it in yeah but i guess it would be um because the europeans kind of got a bit of a better deal like obviously we had the weapons in final you fantasy 7 the better deal yeah we have better deals but we have you to jerks. wait about six months longer <laughs> doesn't matter 
Yeah, and, and obviously we in the in ten we had uh, the dark aeons as well. But if they were if they were taken out for our for the HD version, that would have probably annoyed me. Yeah, I would have been annoyed. I'm sure people would have still got it, but yeah, but I mean, it's just like that. It's part of the. It's like it's a shame to say, but it's like also a part of the appeal of like playing a like eighty plus hour game again. Is <laughs> if you get new content that you didn't get to play before, like that is. I think I think the way to look at it is is that if they did make an HD version of it, then they would be selling it globally, and if they're going to sell it back to the Japanese market without. Yeah, here's a downgrade, guys. Yeah, here's a downgrade. It would never work, so they would no. have to put they for the Japanese market. They would have to make an HD version of the, of the last version that came out, which is the, the Zodiac job system. So I I cannot see how they would not put it in unless if they're severely silly. Yeah, I think that that's where it comes down to whether they're severely silly or, or not. I think what it really comes down to is Final Fantasy XII was one of the last really big PS2 games, and I think the PlayStation Two was such a difficult machine. To develop for it had it's a completely unique system architecture it's a very very strange pro- machine to program for and i think that 12 uses so many tricks that are ps2 specific to then port that over to, to ps4 and and ps vita would be a, a herculean task yeah because i guess that's the other thing like when we're seeing all these hd remakes of different games a lot of them are smaller games I mean, you're comparing, like, say, like Prince of Persia or Splinter Cell. Mm. I guess Metal Gear Solid is kind of comparable, but you're having to start. You're having to reprogram a lot of this stuff from scratch. It's not a case of you, you can't just press a button and say, "Hey, HD version, really easy." <laughs> it's a, you, you know, you need development teams that are going to put a lot of time into sort of upgrading all those assets. I mean, do the original Final Fantasy XII assets still exist? That's another question that Square Enix often doesn't know the answer to. <laughs> you know, so I. It, it, I would love them to do it, but actually the logistics behind that may be far, far, far more difficult than than we realise. I think also, uh, as far as I'm aware, there haven't been any PS2 HD remakes announced for PS4, Xbox One either, have there? Oh, well, uh, Final Fantasy X. That's not PS4. Yeah, it's coming out on PS4. It's PS3 and Vita. It's just been announced announced for PS4. Ooh. Oh, yes. And of course, Final Fantasy VII, but that's a PC. Yeah. We ignore Final Fantasy VII, yeah, that doesn't exist. PC version. So maybe that is the setting the groundwork then. Maybe they're going to see how many people would adopt mm. Final Fantasy X on PS4, even though most people have already got it. Yeah. But again, I, I, I still don't think that then making the PS3 version jump over to PS4 is, is necessarily as, as easy as all that. You know, I still think that there's there's a significant difference between... Well, I, I don't know personally, but I bet there's a difference between the two machines, and it's a case of not, again, not pressing a button. So I guess, I mean, yeah. maybe they, I guess in this instance, they probably already had an idea that they were going to do it. So maybe they've kind of built that in there to make it a bit more of a smooth transition. But obviously, it, it, it's not that simple because otherwise it would have come out at the same time. I reckon what they'll probably do is they'll probably convert the beta version to the PS4 because there is similarity, I think, there between them. Yeah, definitely, yeah. That would be a much easier port to go from beta to PS4 than to go from PS3 to PS4. Well, yeah, that's, that's our thought. The general consensus is that people would get it if the Zodiac job system was in there. It would be nice. Yeah. And there's a, a small percentage of people who are saying if it's not in there, they really wouldn't get it. Didn't have anyone saying they weren't interested in buying it, though. So 
shucks that's that's uh i'm gonna have to suck that one up <laughs> <laughs> i actually like um if we could talk about our own sort of opinions i probably would no we're not allowed opinions on this show only yeah, my I... opinion my opinion is the correct opinion <laughs> no. hush you're sick <laughs> calm yourself it's true i'm getting delusional but I, I'm with Mark. I probably, I probably would buy it if only just to get it, give it a second chance, and also so that I don't have to plug in my PS2 again because I'm really lazy. But yeah, I probably, aside from that, I probably would get it. I probably would wanna, would wanna try it again. It's been almost ten years, so mm. yeah, you know, maybe, maybe times have changed and it's, it's now more positive. Time heals all wounds. Yeah. Well, that's it for Final Fantasy XII. Um, we're now going to go on to our music segment, which mm. was lovely of Lauren to pick. Mm. I do love how Daryl's also transitioned over to host again. You just you just have to be in control, don't you? You've got to be more assertive. I'm sorry. Well, anyways, this song is from Final Fantasy VIII. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Final Fantasy VIII is actually celebrating a birthday uh, this past, uh, the, the week before this podcast is out. Um... I think it's oh how old is it now? Um, About ninety eight. Yeah, ninety eight. So maybe seventeen. Seventeen? No, because Final Fantasy seven is seventeen, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. Either way, My it's celebrating a birthday. It's celebrating a birthday, and so in honor of that, um, I have picked a Force Your Way remix, which is by a um, artist named Blin. And it's just really groovy. It's really pumping, and I just, I just love Final Fantasy VIII so much. So you guys are getting it? Um, our next podcast is scheduled for the seventeenth of March. If you want to listen to more of our podcasts, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. Um, we are number one for Final Fantasy, so if you just search Final Fantasy, you should get us. We're at the very front, and also you can subscribe to us on youtube it's forward slash ff union vids i post the podcast as as soon as i can get it done um with images and little fun bits and you know that sort of stuff and i think a lot of people have said that they prefer listening to it on youtube um just for ease or whatever and you can also subscribe on there so Remember, you can also catch every episode as well on FinalFantasyUnion.com. And as we said before about all the Patreon uh, tiers, um, you can check out our Patreon page, which is Patreon.com FFKHUnion. Now I think it's time to say goodbye. I hope I did be proud, Daryls. I know I kind of fudged up the outro, but I hope I did. I did. It's fine. It's fine. I'm not yeah. going to say anything. Not going <laughs> to say anything? You did okay. a very good job. I'm sure everyone appreciates did you stepping in. Did I make Senpai proud? Yes. I want to thank you for coming along as well, Mark. It's, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Yes. Thank you so much for uh, for having me. And uh, I just, I'll quickly plug the voting site once more. Yes, yes, definitely. Hallofame.classicfm.com Go vote. Go there, vote for stuff. And win money. If you're in the UK. If you're in the UK. <laughs> if you're not in the UK, then you can get a rosy feel in your... In your... You do. You mm-hmm. win the feels. Know that you supported video game music. Yeah, everyone's a winner when you vote. Exactly. So thank you. <laughs> With all that being said, I'm Lauren saying goodbye, and this has been a FinalFantasyUnion.com production.